0: Hello, and welcome to the Anchor Discipleship Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with this lesson. So please, grab your Bibles, and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson.
1: And we're going to be on page uh, 256 in Footsteps of the Messiah. 256, Footsteps of the Messiah. We talked about the Antichrist being on the, the, the prowl now uh, that he is resurrected from the dead and that he um, he's doing lying signs and wonders to, with the Antichrist and trying to cause people to worship him now. And so all these things are happening simultaneously. This is at the three and a half year mark. And so the next thing that simultaneously happens is the persecution of the Jews. So if you turn to the next page, on page 257, we'll read about what Jesus said about the abomination of desolation. We studied the abomination last week, so now he's going to say that signals something. And so he says this in Matthew 24. This is the Olivet Discourse, by the way. We're going to tackle this a little bit. He says, When therefore ye see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, That's in the temple. Let him that reads understand. So he's talking right now in context primarily to the remnant of Israel. That's his audience, okay? So you want to make sure you understand that because people will take this out of context and start saying, oh, that's for the church, or it's for this, or it's for that, or it's before 70 AD. He's talking to the remnant, okay? Because I'll show you where in the text. Then let uh, them that are in Judea flee unto the mountains. So he... He calls it the mountains. In other passages, it would be called the desert. We'll pinpoint this later on. Let him that is on the house up not go down to take out the things that are in the house, or his house. And the idea is, uh, if you go and look at Jerusalem today, a lot of them spend time on the house still, on top of the house. That's where the you can catch the, the breeze of the Mediterranean at night, and you get above everything. And he's basically saying, if you're on your housetop, don't even go down. It's that quick. Get out of there. And so it still applies for today. And let him that is in the field not return back to take his cloak. If you're in the field, just go from right there. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, or nursing and pregnant is the idea. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on a Sabbath. Now, you remember why that's important? What did we say about Israel even today? What happens on the Sabbath? Public, public transportation shuts down. Okay? So a real good example of this is 1973 in Yom Kippur. The, that war? They attacked Israel on their holy days. Well, no public transportation was running. And so it showed us a, a precursor of what could happen if something happened in Israel on the Sabbath. Nothing works. So... Hence, he's saying it's going to be very difficult for women who are pregnant or nursing babies because they're going to have to walk. They're going to have to run from where they're at. And, and wintertime, we talked about that. What's the deal with wintertime? The roads flood. And they don't build bridges over roads. They, they build the roads right through the wadi. You can go there today and they got, uh, the, uh, the roads going right through the wadi. So the, the rainy season goes from, I think, October to April so basically saying don't uh pray that this doesn't happen in the rainy season from april to october in the dry season it doesn't rain it's just like here it does not rain at all and so he's pray that this doesn't happen because you won't be able to cross roads is the idea okay for then there should be great tribulation talking about the great the last half of the three uh, of the seven year tribulations the worst time in human history Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, nor ever shall be. So this is worse than Noah's flood. Worse than what happened at any point in history, okay? With what the Antichrist is about to do. And except those days had been shortened, no flesh would have been saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, there you go. That explains the context of who we're talking about. The elect is the remnant of Israel. This is not a Calvinistic way of interpreting. And see, you can understand, you've got to take things in context. When it says the elect, that is a common parlance for referring to Israel, particularly in this case, the remnant of Israel. Okay? Now again, the remnant is made up of believing Jews that have come to faith in Yeshua. So basically what he's saying is, if I had not cut these days short, the remnant of Israel would not survive. That's what he's saying. They would be all exterminated, and hence, like what we talked about last week, if they're all exterminated, then God can't make good on His promises. So Jesus is saying, "I'm cutting those days short because otherwise, Antichrist would kill every one of them on the earth." Then, if any if any man shall say unto you, "Lo, here is the Christ," or "Here, believe it not." For there shall be arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now, that statement is typically taken out of context. The context is the last half of the three and a half uh the last half of the seven-year tribulation, and he is talking about the remnant. So what he is explaining is what will happen is this the remnant will start running. They will start fleeing towards Petra. That's the location they're going to go once they see the abomination of desolation. Okay? As they're going, they start hiding out, and they find places in the desert. There will be people, false prophets, coming to the remnant saying, Hey, come out of the hiding. Jesus is over here. He's over here in this corner. He's in this room. He's with us right now. Come out of hiding, because why do they want him to come out of hiding? who killed them, he's saying, don't listen to them. They're going to tell you that I've come, but they're doing this to kill you. Don't do it. Don't believe it. So the satanic assault that happens on the remnant is like we've never seen before. He's going to try to coax them out of their hiding places. And so Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't do that. Behold, he says, I have told you beforehand, He say, I'm saying this so you have a heads up, not to be coaxed out of your hiding place, not to come out of Petra, not to come of any place that you're hiding, don't come out. If therefore they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, go not forth. Behold, he is in the inner chambers, believe it not. This is how he's basically going to say, how I'm going to come. For as lightning comes forth from the east and is uh, seen even unto the west, so shall the coming of the son of man. So wherever, so wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles uh, be gathered together. So the idea is, guys, the remnant, I'm going to come where the whole world will see. I will not be in some inner room hiding somewhere. When I come, it's public. And everyone will see me. So don't believe it. Stay in hiding until you see me come in the clouds, until you see me come in the air. And so you can see how important this would be for information for the remnant. And then he says, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Or vultures, it should be, it should be translated vultures. What is he saying here? The idea is the carcass is the remnant. Okay? And where the remnant is, the vultures will be around it. And he's stating that that's where I'm going to come back for. The carcass is Israel. They're going to try to destroy Israel and the Antichrist is going to come after her and we'll see this in just a second. And and the idea is that's where Israel will be, therefore that's where I will come. I will come to rescue wherever the carcass is. So that's the identification marker for where Israel's at. And again, it's, it's linked to the desert, and you'll see this in just a bit, why he refers to them as a carcass. Any questions so far? Clear as mud? Okay, let's go to the next page. Uh, a couple, uh, well, basically in the bottom of 258, we want, we want to add another passage about this flight. Okay, so there's more details here about this flight into the desert, into Petra running from the Antichrist. And the very bottom of that page is Revelation 12. And a great sign was seen in heaven, a woman arrayed, and now go to the next page, 259, a woman arrayed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now, interesting enough, when I grew up Catholic, they told me this was Mary. And it is not Mary. And so they'd have these statues in our little classroom and there would be Mary with a crown of 12 stars around her head and the sun and the moon. And I I never understood that, but now I understand what this is referring to. It's referring to Israel, and I'll talk about that just a bit. And she was with child. The woman obviously is Israel. And she cried out, travailing in birth and in pain to be delivered. And there was seen another sign in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, obviously Satan. But notice how Satan is, is, is pictured. He's pictured as a dragon, but he's having seven heads and ten horns and upon his head are seven diadems. So it's representing the dragon in the final form of the Gentile Empire of the, of, of the Roman Empire, basically. That Satan is now indwelling, basically, the political system at the end. He is in control of it. He has secured it through the Antichrist. Now remember, the, the one world government that'll form will break up into ten league confederation. Satan will use the Antichrist to take over those regions by the midpoint of the tribulation. And by, by his resurrection, he will control the entire planet. Okay. Basically, at that point then, Satan has control of every world government on the planet. That's what it's picturing here. And Satan, Satan, has basically wrestled that away from the dominion of man. He now is in control through the Antichrist. So that's what John is trying to say here in Revelation. Okay. And his tail draws the third part of the stars of heaven. Stars, remember, in, in certain contexts refer to angels, and in this situation referring to fallen angels. And did cast them to the earth. And it's, it's, it's connected to this. You see the semicolon. And the dragon stands before the woman that is about to be delivered, that when she is delivered, he may devour her child. Now, this is all connected. Let me explain this. A lot of people sometimes look at this, and it says he, he, he draws a third part of the stars of heaven. And they think that refers to the fall of Satan, you know, back in Genesis. It's not referring to that. Notice, it It does identify how many angels fell with Satan. That's true, that a third of the angels fell with him. But it's not in reference to the, the original fall. Notice where he pulls them from. And where do they go? From heaven to earth. We're not talking about the third heaven. We're talking about the atmosphere. He pulls them from the atmosphere and puts them on the planet. Now that's very different because, as Paul will say, the, the demonic realm or the abode is in space around our planet. Their abode, they have access to our planet, no doubt, but their, their real abode is the atmosphere or the space around the planet. That's their abode. But in this case, Satan took all members of fallen angels and put them on earth when do you see what's connected to what's the next passage before jesus was born do you see that it's connected in the passage what it's saying to you is yes a third of the angels fell with satan But it's not talking about the original fall. It's talking about when Messiah was born, Satan took every one of his demonic hosts out of the atmosphere and put them on planet Earth right before Messiah was born. To do what? To kill him. Most people have not made that connection with the Gospels. And they say, boy, I read the Gospels, and there's a lot of demonic activity. Yeah! More than any time you'll ever see, even in the Old Testament. You will not see that kind of demonic activity in the Old Testament, other than Revela- uh, Sorry, uh, Genesis 6. But after Genesis 6, the demonic activity is almost silent. But when Messiah comes on this planet he unleashes his full force on this planet to chi- to kill the child, and then to try to kill Jesus before the appointed time. This is why there's so much demonic activity happening around Jesus, and so many times people are trying to kill him. Obviously, this is a reference to Herod, but it's not the only time they tried to kill him. This goes in line of why in, uh was it, is it 1 Peter? Yeah, 1 Peter that talks about that when, after Jesus died, he went into Sheol and proclaimed victory. You remember that scene? The reason he's doing it, they tried to kill him the whole time. And basically the proclamation is, the fact that I am here means that I have succeeded. And you have failed. So, the whole host of the demonic were here to stop him. And it it wasn't successful, obviously and basically and he and she was delivered of a son a man child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto god that's the ascension and unto his throne that's where he is at right now he sits at the right hand of god on the father's throne so this is basically the whole life of messiah being told here now to understand a little bit about to make sure that you understand this is not mary here when you see the sun, moon, and the stars, it's a reference to Genesis 37 in Joseph's dream. And, and it's right there in front of us. He says, And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I, ha- I have a dream, yet a dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars made obeisance uh, to me. Or basically bowed down or with respect bowed down. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to you, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, or basically was jealous, but his father kept the saying in his mind. So that's a direct quote from Genesis 37 that John is using in reference to Israel. So make no mistake, it's not what the Roman Catholics say, it's it's Israel is what's going on here. Okay, so with that in mind, Let's go to page 261, and we might, we're gonna, we're gonna stop here then. And the woman fled into the wilderness, the woman obviously is Israel, the remnant of Israel, where she has a place prepared of God, that there may, there they may nourish her a thousand two hundred and threescore days, or one thousand two hundred and sixty days. So now in this passage in Revelation, it refers to the desert as the wilderness. What we'll see later on is it is identified later on by the Old Testament prophet as Petra, or modern day, uh, in modern day Jordan, or Basra. And Isaiah 63 talks about Jesus coming to Basra, to where the carcass is, where the remnant is, because basically God puts them there, and look at the passage that says He nourishes them there. Um, some have speculated once, once they're in Petra, how will he nourish them? Pretty much probably the same as he did with the Exodus, with Moses. He provided water and provided manna. And we could possibly see a return of the manna and the water as he, as he nourishes Israel, the remnant, in those last three and a half years. That's how they're going to survive. And then, basically, then what happens, and we'll see this later on, the Antichrist comes and encircles them at Petra and is about ready to kill them. So they're in, in, in essence, if Jesus doesn't come back, they're nothing more than a carcass. They're going to be dead. And he goes, where the vultures are, there's where I'm going to be. So, um, we'll pick up that next, next fall about where they're at and more details about that. So let's take about a five minute break and then we'll come back and do Life of the Messiah.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Anchor Discipleship. We hope that this message is a blessing to you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has two other podcasts. The first is called The Anchor Sunday Sermons and is filled with pastors' Sunday messages. And the second is The Anchor Bible Study. It's filled with past and continuing Bible studies preached during our Wednesday evening services. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear them, Please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services. Rock Harbor Church also has a print-to-order merchandise store. You can shop for Rock Harbor merch at rockharborchurch.store. Support for all three of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Keep looking up for our redemption dolls near. God bless.